Welcome to the Ignite Podcast, where you'll discover the secrets to ignite the growth of your agency. We were enthusiastic, we were passionate, we were motivated, we believed in them, their home and their plans. It involves both of us taking responsibility and you need to observe the way he was saying it. And he needs to really, really listen, not just listen because he was waiting to speak and he wanted to say what he wanted to say, but listen to understand. If you are feeling frustrated, the lack of growth in your agency and you're impatient to reach those ever-moving goalposts, then here's your invitation to spend a day with us at AJHQ for a no-holds-barred peek behind the scenes of our agency, Ashdown Jones. All you need to do is go to ajmastermind.co.uk forward slash BTS day. Best of all, it's free. Here are your hosts, Sam and Phil. I've just been reading a book by John C. Maxwell. He's written loads of books, hundreds of books. I don't know how he has the time, but and he's also worth looking up on YouTube. He's a really great orator. What's an orator? It's quite an old-fashioned word, isn't it? Liam, do you know what an orator is? Orator is. So I would say, without looking up a definition, an orator, or an orator, it's usually a professional speaker, but it could also be the President of the United States, or it could be Martin Luther King. They're great orators, or were. So this book is called the, and I would highly recommend it, we'll put it in the show notes, The 16 Undeniable Laws of Communication. And John Maxwell does like to write books with things like 16 Undeniable Laws, or 16 Habits of an Effective Leader, those kind of things. He's got a really good portfolio of books that are worth adding to your library but this one I thought was particularly valuable now I feel that Phil and I are relatively good communicators but we could definitely be better and I know that when we do training sessions or workshops or open days here in the lakes or even our masterminds sometimes when Phil tries to communicate he knows what he wants to say but the other person isn't receiving that communication well and if you can get the communication right and it is a collaboration between the speaker and the, and the receiver then it's actually very profitable and if you get it wrong it can cost you a huge amount of money and it can also upset people so I've been accused of this in the past that I am not very good at communicating compliments so I might give Hannah a compliment and she'll feel like it's a backhanded compliment I might say you look really nice today. <laughs> and Hannah will go, what about the other days? Which is a fair question. But I just mean, you look especially nice today, but I'm not communicating that well. Or it might be that if you're good at giving compliments to your spouse, you might say, oh, you look beautiful in that outfit. But actually what she wants to, or he wants to hear is, you've spent a lot of time on, say, the outfit choice or your hair or your makeup. And that particular thing, is lovely today and that is um, because they put effort into that particular thing. So what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way is communication is everything. And I'm about halfway through this book, the John C. Maxwell book, 16 Undeniable Laws of Communication. And five of the first of the 16 laws really stood out to me and I just wanted to say something about each one of these. And if you can find a way of harnessing some of the lessons from these five, and teaching them to your team and also to yourself, then ultimately what you'll have out of this is profitable communication. 
a profitable outcome. So the first of the laws of communication, as he determines them, is credibility. Now, I'm going to use as an example something that's actually happened to Phil, and Phil is in a, an interview today uh, while I'm doing this podcast, so he can't be here. So I'm going to just recount this third hand, which is probably good, actually, because I have got more of an overview of it now because he was actually sat there in the meeting. So he got invited in the last week to value a home in the Lake District that will be far and away the most expensive home ever sold in the Lake District, if it ever comes to us and on this person's demise. So he was there for a very specific reason, which is all about his the gentleman's legacy and his uh, will and his financial planning his future. He needed to know some information that would help him make better decisions for the final chapter of his life. And the first law of communication, as determined by John C. Maxwell, is credibility. So what gave us the credibility for Phil to be invited to this guy's house? Well, first of all, how we communicate our credibility is very simple. We don't claim anything. If you look on our website, if you look in our socials, we don't claim anything. We prove what we do. So to me, there is no better form of credible communication that does claim what we do than a sold board outside somebody's house that is the kind of house we want to sell. So we can claim or we like that we can sell, you know, the most expensive homes in the Lake District. But unless we actually have a sold sign outside any of them, then we're not communicating effectively. And we're not communicating transparently and uh, genuinely. So the very fact that Phil was there at all means that our communication of what we've done and the proof of our credibility worked because the gentleman had invited him in because he believed that. First of all, Phil was credible. And then when he answered some of the gentleman's questions, he answered those with credibility, with proof, with certainty, because people don't like uncertainty whether it's a team member or a prospective vendor or a buyer, people generally don't like uncertainty. They like people to speak in certain terms with credibility. The second of the laws of communication is observation. And that means watching and observing and studying people who are actually really good orators, speakers, communicators. So people like, for example... Somebody mentioned to me Benedict Cumberbatch the other day, that he's a really good communicator. He speaks really well. And when, when you're listening to him, he doesn't say um and uh, and he gets his message over very effectively. Another one I was going to mention was Simon Sinek. If you've watched any of his YouTubes or his TED Talk, he's a very certain speaker and he's got an, a really nice cadence in his voice when he speaks. So he's actually really watchable and listenable. I enjoy the process of learning from Simon Sinek because he doesn't make me feel stupid, but he still makes me feel that he has the answer that I'm seeking. Observation is really important when you're trying to be a better communicator. Now, going back to Phil in his meeting last week in this beautiful home, he needs to observe what that prospective vendor, that person that sat in front of him, was saying. And he needs to observe the way he was saying it. And he needs to really, really listen not just listen because he was waiting to speak and he wanted to say what he wanted to say, but listen to understand what the gentleman was saying to the point where he could almost anticipate what the guy was saying. And when you observe and you listen to that extent, you really do understand 
what the person is trying to convey, and then you can better answer it. We've all seen those interviewers or listen to them where they ask a question and the interviewee answers, a really good answer. And then the interviewer moves on to a completely different question as if they've never heard that answer. And that frustrates me as a listener to many, many podcasts. I don't want a list of questions and answers. I want to know more about that answer. And then I want that answer to be drilled into. If we've got interviewees on our podcast, I hope we do this for them, that we give them, I suppose, the compliment of really listening to their answers and then asking them another question about that answer. So, you know, when you get home and you say to um, your other half, you know, what did you do today? Are you genuinely interested in that answer? Are you observing the way that they talk and the way that they convey that answer? Do they look frustrated or upset or happy or satisfied or, or do they give you a glib answer? You know, how much can you, how much more can you draw out of that communication by just observing? That brings us to the third law of effective communication, which uh, according to John C. Maxwell, which is about conviction. And this is about how you speak with purpose. And I'm going to wrap into this as well, one of the other laws, which is transparency. So Phil is sitting there in front of this guy who is probably three times his age. In fact, I know he was just under three times his age. And Phil needed to speak with conviction and transparency. And one of the things that Phil said, which was a brave thing to say, I think, and it served him very well, is I'm going to be completely frank with you. If we sell this house for you, it will be amazing for my family, for their future. I think that's that's pretty transparent and I think it's pretty brave. It would be very easy to sit in front of somebody who had many, many times the wealth that you have or that Phil has, you know, several more noughts after his bank balance. and to be able to say this would be amazing for my family. I think that takes a lot of guts. And the receiver of this information, the gentleman in front of him, took that in the spirit that it was intended and took it as a, a real positive. And he actually said at the end of the meeting, words to the effect of, I didn't think it would be as easy as it's proving to be to choose the right agent. And by that he meant, well, I hope he meant Phil. He might not have done. He might have gone, oh, well, definitely going to go to a competitor now. But I feel that they had a real understanding of each other because Phil was very vulnerable. In fact, that's what he said when he came back. I said, how did you handle it? Because that's a very, very intimidating meeting. And he said, I was completely vulnerable with him. Because actually, if you're vulnerable, you can't lose anything because what you're doing is you're creating trust between you. In return, the prospective vendor, the prospective client, he was also vulnerable and talked about the legacy he wanted to leave and what he wanted to do with his money, to do good with his money, and how important it was that his estate was disposed of the way he wanted it to be disposed of. So I think that that vulnerability and that sort of conviction, that passion, that pure belief that what he was doing and saying was the right thing for him and for for the gentleman that he was talking to, I think was definitely the right way to go. So when's the last time you heard somebody speak with such passion and conviction that you wanted to listen to them more? And I think that's why I listen to Simon Sinek and I really enjoy listening to him because he's so passionate. You know, he's he really believes in what he's saying. And it's like when I listen to Stephen Bartlett and I know he, he is a good speaker and he, he does a good interview, I don't hear the passion. I hear somebody trying to hack life. I hear somebody trying to find shortcuts and answers and 
just ways to live a better life, which is, you know, worthy in and and of itself. What I really want to hear is passion. I want that kind of Mel Gibson, brave heart kind of passion from somebody I'm speaking to. I have a dream kind of passion. I want to hear that from somebody. And we get told a lot that the reason that somebody uses Ashdown Jones was because we were enthusiastic, we were passionate, we were motivated, we believed in them, their home and their plans. Quick question. Would you like the chance to come and see behind the scenes of our agency, Ashdown Jones, here in the beautiful Lake District? To have a look at all our systems and processes and meet the team and go away with ideas, motivated and fired up to put your plans into action? Well, great news. If you just go to ajmastermind.co.uk forward slash BTS day, which stands for behind the scenes, you'll see exactly how to book on to our next behind the scenes day here at Ashdown Jones. Best of all, it's free. And I think that is a very powerful emotion to convey that conviction. The next law that I want to talk about is the law of collaboration. And this is about making sure that you're taking responsibility for not only how you speak and how you communicate, but also how the other person receives that communication. A bit like the Hannah thing. If I say to Hannah, you look lovely today, it doesn't matter whether I meant it like that or whether Hannah hears it like that. Because ultimately, I want Hannah to feel better as a result of my compliment to her. So I need to take responsibility for the way she's hearing it. And if she needs to hear it in a different way, you always look lovely and especially lovely today, for example, then that's what I need to do. You know, when some people upset you and then they apologize for having upset you, they don't really apologize for what they said. They just go, oh, I'm sorry if it made you feel like, yeah, well, it did. And so therefore, that's not really a a good apology. I like to communicate with somebody who collaborates with the communication. That's not to say that I don't like being challenged. If I'm talking to a girlfriend, I find that girls, women are much more supportive in a communication, in a conversation. If I said to my friend, oh, I I didn't go for the run this morning. I was absolutely exhausted after the Halloween party I put on yesterday, which is actually true. Then she would be really supportive of me and go, oh yeah, well, you're bound to be tired. You know, you should give yourself a day off. Is that what I need? Probably not. If I was talking to Phil about it and I said the same thing, I would have no collaboration from him whatsoever. I'd just have challenge. Hang on, you said you were going to run every day and you didn't. Get a grip. (laughs) That's what he would say. I think we've got to think about what does collaboration mean? When men talk, quite often if you listen to men talking together, they're just talking at each other. They're not really, there's no like question and answer rhythm. And maybe women can be sometimes too supportive of each other and you let each other off the hook. So maybe the answer is somewhere in between the two where you feel like you could challenge them on something they've just said, but at the same time, you're going to support their point of view. You're not going to put them down. I mean, ultimately what you want as a result of the communication and the conversation is that you both feel good at the end of it. You both feel that the other person has added to your knowledge, your good mood, your motivation, your sense of self-identity. So when you go into a communication, you know, how has that been received as much as how how have you said it? We had a situation a a few weeks ago where one of the young ladies that works with us wasn't doing something that we thought that we taught her how to do. And when we drilled down in her development session, we realized she hadn't had the training that we thought she'd had. And we have to take responsibility for that. 
we can't judge her on her lack of ability or lack of skill if we haven't taught her how to do it. I think it, it involves both of us taking responsibility for that communication and knowing that if there's a positive outcome, we've both created that. It's not just one person's responsibility, either the, the person who is communicating or the person who's receiving. And the last of the five laws I just wanted to talk to you about, and if you've just picked up this podcast and you don't know what I'm talking about, it's from John Maxwell's book, which is, I'll just find it, The 16 Undeniable Laws of Communication, which I would highly recommend. And this one is preparation. He talks about the fact that he was um, a minister or a, a preacher, I think is probably the term. We don't really have preachers in the UK, do we? But a preacher for his church in the US. And he talked to Billy Graham, who is, if you don't know who Billy Graham is, you're probably a lot younger than me. But he was a, a sort of a mass preacher, somebody who preached to millions in America. An amazing orator, whether you believe in, in his religion or not, it's still worthy of listening to because of his method of communication and how much we could learn from it. And he was talking about the fact that when he was doing a talk across the country, and this is John Maxwell when he was a young, sort of his early year, years as a preacher, he was starting to what he called sort of wing it. And he was getting sucked into the idea. He didn't need to put as much preparation into each one of his talks or his sermons, I suppose there would be, because he, he knew his stuff and he could just sort of rock up and, and do it. And it was listening to Billy Graham that made him realize that he needed to put a lot of time and effort into preparation. And he says at one point in the book, he was putting on an average 20 hours of preparation for one speech, which is a lot. And it did make me question what we're doing because we can put a whole workshop on and not put 20 hours of preparation into the workshop because, you know, the way I see it is I put 20 years into it. But maybe we need to revisit that and think, well, what could we do to make that workshop even better to make it world-class, how much more preparation would that need? Hi, I'm Andrew from Hopkinson Smith Estate Agents. The main concerns I had before joining the AJ Mastermind was mainly what would I get from joining, you know, what would the meetings be like, how would I get on, would I fit in? Uh, and as soon as I went to the first meeting and met everybody, uh, Sam and Phil and the team just completely put me at ease and I've uh, learned so much since we joined. What would we do if we had 20 hours of preparation to put into one workshop? Because I think that that idea of work it or wing it is an important one. I think when we go out and see a vendor in their home, the amount of preparation we do can sometimes, I'm going to counter what I've just said, sometimes be detrimental to what you're there to do. Because I think the communication when you're there with a vendor should be about them and their plans. And there's only so much preparation you can do about that as a that person as a person, other than sort of stalking socials. And if you put too much emphasis on the house, you're in danger of talking about the house when you're in that meeting with them. And really the most important part of what you need to understand is that person and their motivations, their plans, and how you can help make those a reality. And much, much less about the business. So let's say, I'll just give you another example of this. Let's say we were thinking about taking on a new accountant. We're not, by the way, if Matt, if you're listening. 
let's say we were going to sit down in a meeting and an accountant or prospective accountant was going to ask us about our business, determine whether he would be a good fit for us and we would be a good fit for him. And we'd be making a significant investment in this change. So he sits there and he starts to go through all our financials. Now, by the end of a meeting, he would understand our financials very well. But would he understand us as people? Does he know what we're trying to do? What we're trying to, what our risk appetite is? What we're trying to achieve in five years, 10 years, 30 years? How I'm going to retire when Phil isn't ready to retire? It's those kind of questions that they should be asking us. And those are the questions that I think we need to be asking our vendors. Otherwise, we're doing them a disservice. So I think that law of preparation is an interesting one because we need to prepare ourselves as communicators need to prepare ourselves as agents but do we need to prepare ourselves that much about the house I'm not sure what we do which I know is different from a lot of what you guys do as, as you're listening to this is we don't give evaluation in the house we go away and do our valuation and, and then go back to those prospective vendors and give that valuation to them after we've been and sat down with them so that could be two or three days later sometimes we've got to do that amount of preparation before we deliver our valuation so that's where our preparation comes in but preparation before the meeting I think that's a little bit different so think about the next time you've got an important communication an important meeting consultation something that if it goes really really well could be great for your business if it goes really really badly it could be terrible for your business so where the stakes are high and think about what else could I do to prepare? If I was going to dedicate five hours, 10 hours, 20 hours to this, where would I spend my time? How could I make this meeting, the outcome of this meeting more certain for us both? So those five laws I thought were really interesting and they really did make me think about the way I'm communicating and whether I could do it better, what I would have to give up in order to do it better, whether that's time, effort, money, could I pay somebody to help me do it? Could I work on it in my free time? You know, what would I need to do to make me a better communicator? Uh, and I think that I'm going to keep asking myself that question as I read this book because I'm, I'm finding it a really interesting book. The 16 Undeniable Laws of Communication by John C. Maxwell. Those five that I picked for now until I finish the book are Credibility, observation, conviction, collaboration, and preparation. But I'd love to know from you, what do you think makes a profitable communication and a profitable communicator? And what could we do on our podcast to make us a better communicator for you? And what tricks and tips and strategies have you got for you to be a better communicator that you could share with us? And that's it from me. I look forward to seeing you or talking to you on the next podcast bye for now if you are feeling frustrated with the lack of growth in your agency and you're impatient to reach those ever moving goalposts then here's your invitation to spend a day with us at ashdown jones hq for a no holes barred peek behind the scenes of our agency all you need to do is go to ajmastermind.co.uk forward slash bts day and best of all it's free